Well, good morning. If you'd open your Bibles with me again to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Mark, chapter 1. Before we begin, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Our Father, how thankful we are that one more time you've given us an opportunity to meet together and to worship your precious name, to open your word, to read and study it. And Father, I pray that you would reveal your son to us out of it this morning, that you would reveal the incarnate word from the written word. And Father, give us faith to believe. Oh, give us faith to trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is our all and in all. And Father, we're thankful that we can come in prayer and be heard before the God of heaven and earth. How thankful we are to be able to beg forgiveness of our sins from the God who forgives sin. How thankful we are to beg for salvation from the God who saves sinners. How thankful we are to call out for our daily bread, our, the needs of this life from the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who's always able to save, to heal, to comfort. Father, we're thankful. Father, I pray you'd bless our time this morning here and bless especially our children's classes. Father, that you might be pleased to use this time to, to plant the, thy word in their hearts, that you might cause it in your time to grow to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we dare not forget to pray for those who are hurting, who are sick, who are in deep waters and difficult circumstances. Father, we pray that you'd be with them, that you'd heal. We pray you'd lead and guide them to, to know which way to go. Father, above all, that you'd give them a special portion of your presence in their heart while they're in these difficult waters. Now all these things we ask, and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now in our text this morning, just two verses of Scripture, Mark describes to us the ministry of John the Baptist in just two verses. He shows us a good bit about who the messenger is and what his message is. So first, I've titled the lesson, The Messenger in the Message. Now first let's look at the messenger. Mark 1 verse 2. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. I'm, I start in verse 3 verse 2. As it's written in the prophets, behold I send my messenger before thy face. That's John the Baptist. Which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now God's preacher, he's a voice. That's what, that's what he's called here, a voice, nothing more. The preacher does not make up the content of the message. God's preacher, all he can do is preach the message that God gives him to preach. The preacher is just a voice that God uses to, to preach his message to needy sinners. Now, if we're going to hear from God, we're going to have to hear the voice of a man. God's not going to speak audibly. He's not going to speak to us individually. God speaks to his people through the voice of a man. He gives that man the message to preach. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now it's the gospel message. That's what's important. The voice, 
really isn't all that important. Who it is preaching the message really isn't all that important. It's the message that's important. It's God's message that gives life to dead sinners. The messenger can't do that. It's the message that does it. The voice can't comfort and instruct God's people. I mean, I hope I can say things that, that, you know, are kind and, you know, comforting to you, but the voice can't comfort your heart. The voice can't instruct your heart and edify your heart, cause you to grow in grace. It's the gospel message that comforts. It's the message that instructs us, isn't it? The message from God, that's the most important thing. The preacher, he just gives voice to it as God enables him. So he's a voice. Scripture also describes God's preachers as servants. In Romans 1.1, Paul says he's a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. God's servant is separated under the gospel of God. That's his message. He's separated to it. He just, he determined to preach it. God's servant, what he does is he preaches the gospel of God. And that's all he preaches. That's all he does. And you know, it's so obvious that God's, God's preacher, he's a servant. It's so obvious, even the demons know it. In Acts 16, there was a demon-possessed woman. She was a divination and all these different things she did because this demon that possessed her, and she followed Paul and those men that were with him, crying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who show us the way of salvation. Now, the demons knew that. Now, they didn't trust him. They didn't believe the message, but they said, this man's a servant of God. He shows us the way of salvation. Oh, wouldn't it be a blessing? For God to send us one of his servants who shows us the way of salvation. He points us to Christ. Then in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5, Paul says, We preach not ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, we're your servants for Jesus' sake. We're your servant. That's what I am. I'm your servant for Christ's sake. My job as a servant is to set the table. To set the table with Christ so that you can come and eat and live. My job is simply to lift up Christ so you can look and live, so you can believe on him. That's, that's the job of a servant. And you, the servant, doesn't have any choice in the matter of this message that's going to be brought. It's God's message. It's the servant. It's not important. The master's important. And that relationship between the servant and the master, the master is the one that's important, isn't it? So if we're going to hear from the Lord, our master, I tell you, we're going to have to hear by the voice of one of his servants. And that makes it mighty important for us to find one of God's servants and hear his message, doesn't it? Because if he's God's servant, he's preaching you the message that God has for your heart. Scripture also calls God's preachers ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says, Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God himself, God Almighty, did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Paul said, now if, Christ, if the Lord Jesus was standing here, this is what he'd tell you. And it's the same thing I'm telling you. Because I'm his ambassador. Be ye reconciled to Christ. That's what God's ambassadors are sent to say. Be ye reconciled to Christ. Now, ambassador, I mean, I know it's a pretty prestigious uh, appointment. You know, the president appoints an ambassador. Boy, that, that's awful prestigious. But, you know, the ambassador... I mean, he ain't much. He doesn't decide what to do. He didn't decide where to go. An ambassador is the country to the country the president sends him to, right? 
And when he gets there, he's not the one that decides policy. He's not the one that decides how we're going to interact with, with, this con- with this country. Ambassador, the ambassador is in a foreign country. And all he's doing there is carrying out the policies, the instructions of the president, of the king. That's what he's doing. And all an ambassador is supposed to say is, let me tell you what my boss said. This is what he told me to tell you. That's what an ambassador does. An ambassador is not there to promote his own agenda. He's there to promote the agenda of the king. And that's the preacher's job. The preacher's job is not to promote himself and get a following for himself. And his... He's there to promote the agenda of the king, which is Christ our Savior. That's his agenda. Look and live. Who the preacher is really doesn't matter. It's the message God's given him to preach. Now all that being said, God's preachers are still to be loved and respected. Scripture says for the work's sake. For the work's sake. They're to be loved, they're to be respected for the sake of all the work that they put in to find God's message. And listen, he's finding God's message for you. For you. You. You're on my heart. You're in my mind's eye every single day. I sit down to study. Everybody sits in the same spot, so it's not easy for me to just go through the congregation. You're on my heart when I prepare these messages. We pray for people all over, don't we? But I'm telling you, you're the ones on my heart. I, I beg God to take this and, and put Christ in your heart. Give you faith in Christ. This is this, the, the pastor seeking God's message for you. And then he's to preach it. If he finds it, when God shows it to him, it's his job to preach it. Now, that's hard work if it's done right. But a pastor, God's servant, God's ambassador will do it because he loves you. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. See, God's preachers are to be loved for the sake of the love and the care that they have for you, both your soul and your body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 12, Paul says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. You know, God's God's Preacher, his ambassador, his servant. He's over you in the Lord, but he's also your servant. Now figure that out, but that's so. Over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. For their work's sake. Be at peace with one another. I, uh, like uh, probably all old daughter and grandfathers, I love to watch my baby grandson. With his parents. Now he he's seven months old. Is that right? Seven months old. Eight months old now. He can't speak yet. He can't say, I love much to my chagrin, he can't say Papa yet, but I'm working on that. He, he can't talk yet. He can't tell his mama and daddy, I love you. But I tell you what, you let one of them walk in the room, and his eyes and that big old smile he breaks out, it says it. I love you. And you know why he loves them? 
Now they're over him. They rule over him. They're, they're already trying, they're t- trying to teach him no. When mom and dad say no, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't do this. They're over him. They rule over him. They do things already that are for his good that he don't like. But even though they do that, he loves them so much because they love him and take care of him. That's what Paul's saying here. God's pastor. You know how he shows his love for the people? By working hard to take care of them in preaching. To work hard to take care of them, pointing them to Christ. And in return, he's to be loved and respected for it. Now, he's not the issue. You understand, he's not the issue. The message is the issue. Christ is the issue. The gospel is the issue. But that voice is still to be loved and respected for it. You know, when the Apostle Paul wrote that great letter of intercession for Onesimus to Philemon, Paul told Philemon, he said, now I'm not even going to tell you that you owe me your own self sides. <laughs> I always love that. I mean, Paul tells him that, but then he said, I'm not going to tell you this, but, but you do owe me your own self sides. Now it's the message that saves it. It's Christ that saves. But we sure do owe a debt of love to the voice who preached it to us, don't we? We do. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they're watching for your soul as they that must give account that they may do it with joy, not with grief. That's unprofitable for you. And then Paul says, and pray for us. Obey them that have the rule over you and pray for us. Pray for us. There's no man sufficient for these things. See, this love, it's a two-way street, isn't it? God's servant loves those sheep that God's given him to preach to, to pastor, to lead. And the sheep love him in return. Now, it's God's message for me. For me to hear right now, that's what's vitally important to my soul. But I sure do love the voice that first preached God's message to me. That's made me think a lot about Brother Henry in the past days as I've been preaching this. Oh, how much. I just love him. I'm so thankful for him. But now the Lord's called him home. We better find a voice today. We better find a voice today preaching to our generation because he's preaching the message that I need. That's the messenger. Now, the second thing I want to look at is the message that God's messenger preaches. Verse 2, back in our text. says, as it's written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Now, Mark describes the message of God's messenger in just two verses. And the way he does it is he quotes to us from two different Old Testament passages. Now, there are a lot of different messages, gospels, if that's what you want to call them. Another Jesus being preached out in the world today. There are many of them, many, many, many. Well, how can I tell which one's God's message and which one is not God's message? Now, I want to know that. If this is vitally important to my soul, how can I tell which one is God's message and which one is not? Well, one good way to identify God's message is God's message matches all of the Old Testament scriptures. 
God's message has got to agree with every verse of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. You, know, you can never just, just pluck a verse you know, out, out of Scripture and take it by itself and say, this is what this means. No, you always have to compare it with other Scriptures. And it would be very wise of us to look in the Old Testament. If we want to find out what a verse in the New Testament means, it would be a very good idea to look and see what the Old Testament has to say about that. The Old Testament is Christ in picture. Christ in promise, Christ in prophecy. The New Testament is Christ revealed. You know, Paul told the church at Corinth that the gospel of Christ, he said, this is the gospel. The gospel tells us how that Christ died according to the scriptures. Well, what scriptures was he talking about? Had to be the Old Testament. Had to be, because the New Testament was still being written. How that why did Christ die? What did he accomplish in his death? He died according to the Old Testament scriptures to fulfill all those Old Testament pictures. Christ died like Abel's lamb, died as a sacrifice for sin. God can only be approached by the blood of the lamb. Now, if you come to God in the blood of the lamb, knowing nothing but I'm a sinner. I can't do anything. I don't know anything. I, I, I deserve God to send me to hell, but I'm coming to him pleading the blood of Christ. God will accept you. If you come bringing your works like Cain, he won't. Now, if a man's message doesn't match Abel's sacrifice, don't listen to it. It's not God's message. Christ died like the Passover lamb. Christ died as a substitute for a particular people. God's elect. That first, that lamb died for the firstborn in this home. Not the neighbors, not my buddy down the road, not my buddy across town, the firstborn in this home. That, that Passover lamb died for somebody in particular, didn't it? So did Christ. And he saved them. If that father in that home sacrificed that lamb, roasted his body with fire, put the blood on the door and went in, and set, shut the door and sat down and ate that Passover lamb, his son lived. His firstborn lived. Christ died for you, you're going to live. You will live. You must. God's justice demands it. Christ died like that lamb on the day of atonement. That lamb died for the sin of Israel. Not every nation. Not, no, it was sacrificed for the sin of Israel. And God accepted him. God accepted them because of that lamb that pictured Christ. If the Lord Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, died for you, the Father will accept you. The blood's been shed. If a man's message doesn't agree with that, don't listen to it. Because it's not God's message. The reason God accepts his people and doesn't condemn them is the sacrifice of Christ. And no other reason. No other reason whatsoever. That's how that Christ died. He died as the successful, victorious Savior of his people. And I tell you why we live, why his people live. It's because Christ both died and rose again for us. The message of God's servant today, look back at, at Malachi. It's the very same message that the prophet Malachi preached. The last prophet in, in the Old Testament. This is what he preached. Malachi 3 verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. See, that, that, that's what Mark's quoting back there. 
And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come into his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord practically ended the Old Testament with the same promise that he gave to Adam all those years before. He's coming. The seed of woman is coming. Now the key to Malachi's message is Christ. It's the messenger of the covenant. It's the message of the covenant of God's grace. That's what Malachi was preaching. Notice I said the messenger of the covenant. Not just the covenant. The messenger of the covenant. You know, our message is not all the whys and the, and the wherefores and the legalese of God's covenant of grace. You can know what God's covenant of grace says. You can know the words of it. You can know the doctrine of it. You can know what it says. You can know what it means. And still be lost. Our message is not the covenant. Our message is he whom you seek. He whom you seek. You cannot know Christ and be lost. (laughs) It's an impossibility. That's why we preach he whom you seek. It's the messenger of the covenant who saves. God's message is not a covenant of the law. Adam already proved a covenant of the law can't save anybody. Adam get, just, just, God just gave Adam one rule and he broke it and probably right quick. What makes us think we can keep the pages and pages and pages of all the Old Testament law? We can't do it. The, the covenant law can't save anybody. God's message is the covenant of grace. But salvation is by grace alone. And that message is seen. You know when we how, how we know God's message of grace? The messenger of the covenant came. Now I see. Now I see what all, the, all that law was about. Now I see what all that ceremony was about. Now I see what all that, the sacrifice is about. The messenger came and fulfilled it. Now I see God's message is that Almighty God in His covenant of grace promised He would save worthless sinners by the doing and dying of His Son. See, the message is Christ. He came and fulfilled the covenant. He came and ratified that covenant by His blood. He died. The sinless Son of God came in the flesh to die for worthless sinners like you and me. He ratified it with his blood. See, God's message of salvation is all of grace. It's in, by, and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's grace. God gives his people, not what they earned, but what the Lord Jesus Christ earned for them. As a man made under the law, he obeyed God's law perfectly. And God says, my people are righteous. He, Christ came as a representative of his people. He obeyed the law. And God said, my people are righteous in him. Salvation is accomplished by the doing and the dying of Christ alone. Period. Period. Our works don't ever enter into it at all. Someone says, well now. Now, you know, you must believe, and and that's true. You must believe. You must. If you would be saved, you must believe on Christ. 
But here's the truth. You can't do it. You can't do it. God the Holy Spirit has to give it to you. Let's not make, let's not preach grace and then make a work out of faith now. Even that faith, God's got to give it to you. Well, what about all the, all, all these, all the good works I'm supposed to do? What? You can't do it. You can't do it. Yeah, you're supposed to, but you can't do it. Not unless God puts it in your heart to do it. It's all Christ. You see, that's the message, the messenger of the covenant. And Malachi said, Christ is going to suddenly appear in his temple. By the time the Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem, everybody, but just a very few people, had given up looking for him. Think he's not coming. He's just not coming. Maybe he'll come someday. He won't come in my lifetime. And suddenly he appeared and Simeon saw him. <laughs> there he is. There he is. There's God's salvation. Now they weren't expecting him, were they? They weren't expecting him. Oh, they're under the bondage of Rome and, and maybe they were expecting a mighty warrior to come and would conquer Rome and defeat Rome just by himself like Samson defeat all those Philistines or like David killed his 10,000s, you know. They were expecting an earthly king, a military might. They weren't expecting a spiritual king, were they? They weren't expecting a substitute. They weren't looking for a substitute because they didn't think they needed one. They weren't looking for a poor man of the flesh come to save poor sinners of the flesh. But that's who came. He came and he fulfilled all of God's covenant. And he ratified it by his blood so that sinners would be saved. Now I'm telling you this. If God the Holy Spirit ever shows you him, ever shows you him, not just shows you the covenant now, but shows you him. Oh, you'll be delighted. You'll be delighted. Now look back at Isaiah chapter 40. Here's the other passage that Mark quotes. Isaiah chapter 40. The message of the messenger, the message of, of Christ the messenger, is a message of comfort for God's elect. Isaiah chapter 40 Verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now the message of the gospel, the message of salvation in Christ is a message of comfort for the hearts of God's people. If a message is not comforting to your heart, something's wrong. It's either the message or your heart, but something's wrong. The message that declares salvation in Christ. And it's yours for free in the end, if you believe him. Now that comforts your heart. That comforts your heart. Now our comfort, the comfort of our message, the comfort of the gospel, is not to say now, it's going to be okay. It's, good. it's all going to be okay. It's going to be okay with your body. You've got some awful disease and somebody says, oh no, it's okay. This disease won't kill you. Well, it might. Something will someday. It might. But if you're a believer, you know what? It's still good for you. It's good for you. Our comfort is not, well now, all these things you're worrying about, they won't, that, that won't happen. 
It might. <laughs> it might. I don't think you can comfort somebody by lying to them, can you? It might happen. But if you believe Christ, it's well with your soul, even if it does happen. See, here's our comfort. This is the believer's comfort. This world's a tough place to live. And these bodies are tough places to live because they're infested with sin. Here's our comfort. There's going to come a time it's not well with your body. There's going to come a time it's not well with your mind. There's going to come a time it's not well with your emotions. But if you trust Christ, it's well with your soul. It is well with my soul. The believer's comfort is what Isaiah says here. Brethren, the war's over. The war's over. Christ, the captain of our salvation, has already defeated every enemy. Quit worrying about them. Don't let them bother you anymore. They're defeated. Come rest in peace. Rest in Christ. You can have peace in Christ. Peace. I mean peace in the heart. Even in the midst of the battle. Now our message of comfort. It's not for every son of Adam. No, it's not. Don't cry peace, peace when there's no peace. Don't offer somebody comfort when there ain't any comfort. This message of comfort is for God's elect. He says, Isaiah, you go tell my people you have comfort. You tell my people that. My people. Now, when the Lord says they're my people, doesn't that mean they belong to him? Doesn't that mean he owns them? If you belong to God, what on earth you got to worry about? Really? You got, I mean, yeah, the Lord's going to send some someday to kill your body, but you don't have to worry about it. You know what the Lord uses the death of these bodies to do? Take us straight into his presence. Now that's comfort. That's comfort. I mean, I just don't have anything to worry about if that's true. And Chris, it's true. It's true. The believer has comfort. Because what Isaiah says here, we have received of the Lord's hand double, double for all of our sin. Where our sin abounded, oh, God's grace much more abounded. This double that Isaiah prophesies of here is the double cure for sin that's found in the sacrifice of Christ. See, it all, it all has to be Christ. It all has to be in him. When that Roman soldier pierced the side of our Savior, John said, no, I saw it. I saw this happen. John, what, what did John say came out of the Savior's side? Blood and water. Blood to atone for sin. Blood to pay for sin. Blood to pay that awful debt of sin to God's justice. The blood that redeems his people. If Christ shed his blood for you, there's no charges left against you. None. Oh, Satan will accuse you of things. And your mind will accuse you of a lot of things. But none of those charges can stick, even though they're true. Oh, they're true charge. I did it. That's the way I am. There's no question about it. But that charge can't stick if Christ died for you. His blood put that sin away. It can't stick. Out came blood to atone, and out came water to cleanse. Water to wash away every stain of sin. You can't even tell it's ever been there. <laughs> to cleanse our souls. So that we can never sin again. 
That water that came out of Christ's side is a picture of this. He cleansed his people. Now they're clean. They're holy. They can't rack up any more sin debt. They can never sin again. That new man born of God, born of, of the word, born of the water, can never sin again. See, our message is this. Christ has saved his people and Christ keeps his people saved. You know, if our message was, you know, now Christ will save you, but you got to keep it, you know, by, by earning, doing, you know, following some of my pet laws. Well, there's no comfort there, is there? No comfort. But it has comfort for our souls to know Christ is my Savior and He's the one who keeps me saved. Christ paid for our sin and He made it so that we can't sin again. The double cure. He paid for sin and took away the power of sin. Now that's the message of John the Baptist. And that's the message of God's preachers today. If, if you hear a message that doesn't match that, don't listen to it. Because look what John said, verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. And this is, he's prophesying, Isaiah's prophesying of John the Baptist coming. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley should be exalted, and every mountain and hill should be made low, and the crooked should be made straight, and the rough places plain. Now here's the job of God's preacher. Tell you, go to Christ. Go to Christ. Now every mountain that's in the way between you and Christ, John says, take it down. Every valley between you and Christ, John said, fill it up. Make it plain. Make Christ plain. Remove every obstacle between the sinner and the Savior. So the sinner sees the Savior. So the sinner runs to the Savior. If you can find a man that does that, now, if you find a man putting some obstacle between you and Christ, you know, you, you've got to do this and you've got to do this. And, oh, you know, if God saved you, you never do this. He's putting an obstacle. He's putting a condition between you and Christ. And that's an obstacle. But if you can find a man that makes Christ plain, that makes the way plain so you go straight to him, you'd be wise to listen to him because that's God's message. All right. I hope God will bless that too.